Hi, and welcome to Deep Leadership. I'm your host, John Rennie. Well, I hope all is well with you today. This is another special Wednesday morning episode brought to you by our sponsors, Jeremy Clevenger Fitness and the Sasquatch Flag Company. Both of these sponsors help me bring these shows to you each and every week, so I encourage you to click on their links below and check them out. I have another great show lined up for you today, but before we get started, I just want to remind you to check out the leadership books I've written on either Amazon or my website, johnsrenny.com. This year, I'm offering a new way to purchase all of my books for a discount. I've bundled the books into what I call the Qualified Watchstander Series, and you'll get all three books for 15% off the individual prices. This offer is only available on my website, so check it out if you're looking to step up your leadership game in 2023. Also, I wanted to remind you that Deep Leadership is ranked as a top 100 management podcast in the U.S., and I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening in each week and sharing these episodes with your friends. You have helped this podcast grow into a top-performing show, so thank you very much. Well, that is it. Today, we're going to be talking about humanizing our brand to build irrational loyalty, and my guest is Deb Gabor. Deb is the founder of Soul Marketing, and she helps business leaders communicate with authority in a more human way. So many companies have failed to learn this lesson, and it almost always leads to a disaster, like, for example, Southwest Airlines over the Christmas holidays. So if you're curious how to build customer loyalty and keep it even through a crisis, this is your episode. So are you ready to dive in? Let's get started. Welcome to Deep Leadership. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former Cold War submarine officer who spent 20 plus years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Are you ready for some real world actionable advice from John as well as his expert guests? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. The show starts right now. Welcome to the Deep Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Deb Gabor. Deb is the founder of Soul Marketing, a consultancy that has led successful strategy engagements for some of the biggest brands in the world for almost 20 years. She is the author of a new book called Personality, Cultivate Your Human Authority to Ignite Irrational Brand Loyalty. Now, I'm excited to have her on the show to talk about how we can differentiate ourselves and our companies by showcasing the people behind our businesses. So, Deb, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about the subject. It's one that we haven't covered, so I'm really interested in your expertise. So let, let's get started. You are uh, the CEO, founder of Soul Marketing. Tell us, what is Soul Marketing and what makes your company so unique? Well, we are in the business of creating this condition that I call irrational loyalty. And when you mention the book title, you you see that it's there. And irrational loyalty is when people are so indelibly bonded to your brand that they feel like they were cheating on it if they were to choose an alternative. I don't know about you. It's how I feel about my iPhone and all my other eye thingies when I know that there are functionally superior products out there that cost less, are more available, have more durable glass, which is an issue for me. <laughs> I still will pay on the order of five or $600 more to get my hands on the brand new iPhone because I'd feel like I would be cheating on them if I were to buy a competitor. So that condition of irrational loyalty is what my business is all about, is creating that condition for companies, whether they serve other businesses or they serve consumers directly. And so we do that through a combination of strategy and research 
brand leadership and long-term brand management and content marketing. Oh, fantastic. And what are the type of companies you you work with and why do they come specifically to your company? So the types of companies that we work with, we work exclusively with these B2B technology and professional services companies, really unsexy businesses and unsexy categories. Uh, if you read my bio, you probably saw I wrote a book that has the word sex in the title. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. And that's a book. There's real serious business content in there, but I am a branding person. And and why they come to us, I, I always like to express this by, by telling just a real quick story. So uh, my business operates, its headquarters are in Austin, Texas, and you can't swing a cat over your head and not hit 150 other people who say they do exactly what we do. And one of my closest competitors, another woman who owns a fantastic agency, she worked directly across the street from me. Look out the window. I would see her sign, like standing at my desk, I would see her sign across the street and it just drove me crazy. We were always neck and neck in those, you know, uh, top women-owned business rankings and top marketing and advertising agency rankings and things like that. Yet, we never, ever, ever in the 10 years that we worked across the street from each other, we never competed for a single client mm -hmm. because she had the goal to be able to uh, be Austin's favorite marketing agency. We have a goal as an organization to take a disruptive dark horse brand and turn them into a top five most valuable global brand. And the one thing that we do that nobody else does is we give companies the proverbial kick in the ass. So when organizations come and work with us, how we're unique is that we're not going to just keep your trains on the tracks. We're actually going to push you to do not just the best you can, but whatever it takes to lay the tracks and drive the train to the destination it really needs to go to. So that requires the proverbial kick in the pants. Aha. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and it makes sense for from what I can see and what you've done uh, throughout your career. So it <laughs> makes a lot of sense. So let's talk about this new book. It's called Personality, but personality is spelled kind of interesting. So tell us the inspiration behind the book and the meaning behind the title. Yeah, I'll start with the meaning behind the title because it's person hyphenality. Person Ality, not just personality. So personality is really about the idea of the humans behind a brand, like the actual heart and the and the soul and the authentic, I guess the the authenticity and the sincerity of the human beings behind a brand, because a brand is really made up of the values and beliefs that are held by the organization and the people that are part of that organization and how those align with the customers who are most highly predictive of success. And personality, personality, this idea is really all about, uh, I call it human-to-human -human branding. I, I talked about B2B branding, business-to-business -business branding. We know B2C branding. But really, the world has evolved to this place where, where the best brands in the world are truly human and the human beings behind the brand. So the leaders of the brand uh, the thought leaders inside the business, the 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 employees who who work at a brand are really the embodiment of all of the human qualities of the brand. And so that's where the title personality came from. Um, originally, I was going to call it H to H branding or something mm -hmm. like that. This idea oh, yeah. of, you know, human to human branding or heart to heart branding. Um, but the the notion of personality, you know, you work with publishers, right? That that came from that came from the publishing team. They were like, oh, we think that there's an opportunity here for some new conceptual space. So that's how we ended up with the name. 
And then the inspiration behind the brand, it's uh, like a lot of other people. I had a COVID story. Uh, like you, I write books. I travel around the world as a public speaker. When COVID hit, uh, people like us, we got grounded, right? We got our wings clipped. And to some extent, I lost a major part of my platform for being able to help people understand the the foundations and strategies behind branding and how to transform their businesses through branding. And I was forced with an interesting dilemma, which was I had a lot of time available, right? <laughs> and, you know, when I really, really searched my heart for what can I do during this time that's going to elevate other people and help other people, because I am I am obsessed with branding. And the reason that I do branding is because it makes businesses better and better businesses create more sustainable economies. More sustainable economies are better for people. I mean, all of these things. I, I really, I came to the conclusion that the most important thing that I could do is give generously my expertise to other people for free without any expectation of anything in return. So basically go out there, help other people, share information with other people, share my professional ecosystem with other people, all with the purpose of helping them navigate a really, really difficult time to be a brand. And the results were really surprising in that I cultivated a huge following of people who I just by giving to them, without asking for anything from them. And when I say not asking anything, I'm not asking for money from them. I wasn't I wasn't asking for business from them. I was just giving, giving, giving. And I cultivated this this large community of people that started to lean forward and tell me what it was they actually wanted to buy from me, which was something different than what what my organization was selling. What they wanted to buy from me was not B2B content marketing services or strategy and research. What they wanted to buy from me was how do we become you? And so that really was the inspiration for the book. And then, you know, trickle in a little bit of what I saw going out, going on in the world where you probably observed this too. Uh, there was just a real lack of leadership. People were looking for someone to help them make sense of things, tell them who to be, where to be, uh, where to stand, what to say, what to think, what to buy, what all of these things. And, and in the absence of information, uh, it leaves a vacuum and people always fill it with the worst possible ideas. Yeah. So I went into the vacuum with good ideas and with inspiration and and with help and with content. And that really was the inspiration for the book. I was writing a completely different book when the when the pandemic hit and and it seemed really irrelevant. And so I completely scrapped that and went to this. I love that. I've talked to so many authors that have, that have created really good books in the in the midst of this tough time where whereas a lot you know some people may have just sulked in the corner and just waited it out or whatever watched uh, Netflix I saw so many creative people like like you work to try to help and try to share knowledge and to and to fill that you know I'm not traveling as much so what what else can I do with my time and, and creating really good content and in these books that have really I think I think it was a renaissance the past three years in in uh, in business books, to be honest. Oh, I think so. And and part of the part of the sharing of content and and you know sharing generously like information and assistance and like filling the vacuum with inspiration and and helpful ideas. Uh, there was a leadership lesson in there for me too, just to kind of tie it back to your stuff, which, you know, I, ha I, I had this great leadership team at my company and here I was suddenly back at work, 
right? Yeah. And, and, you know, we had worked as an organization very hard for several years to create a world where, uh, you know, I could have a life by design, the company could exist and we could have a team-led business instead of a hero-led business. And here I was, and they were really trying to encourage me to not like swoop in and be the hero again. Um, you, you know, the, they said the worst possible thing that could happen here, Deb, is that you come in and you mix things up and you get all in everybody's hair. Uh, you know, things go really, really well when you are in your zone of genius. So we want to keep you in your zone of genius, which I I really think that the that it was uh, it it was the the inspiration. It really came from the the team of people that I worked with because I know myself as a leader, and I know I like to be a hero. And sometimes, if there's not a problem to solve, I'll create one. <laughs> yes. It's better to keep me in my zone of genius, which you know it's not just good for the company, but it, it it's good for me too. Yeah, that's fantastic. And it's good for you to note that because we've talked to a lot of leaders with that transition going from, you know, remote work to back in the office. And everybody's like, I want you back in the office. I want you going back the way things were. And people are like, well, wait a second, you know, life was a little bit different. And uh, we liked what we were doing before. Let's let's take what we've learned from this time and let's incorporate it into the new way we do business. And it sounds like you did that. And that's uh, my hat's off to you because that's good. That's a leader that's listening and, and uh, focusing on what's right for their team. So that's, that's excellent. So, um, so let's just talk about that as businesses, as business leaders, how do we communicate with authority, but in a more human way? So one of the one of the trends that's been going on over probably about the past decade is this notion of thought leadership. And yeah. you know, in preparation for this interview, I you know did some deep diving on past podcasts and you know things like that. And I know that you've had people on talking about thought leadership. And thought leadership is is a term that's it's been thrown around a lot. And uh, I read some research, actually, while I was writing the personality book, I read some research that said that thought leadership was like one of the most hated business terms out there. (laughs) Basically, somebody came up with this idea. If you write a book or you write a blog or you make a video and you put that out there into the world, if you build it, they will come, right? And, And before purchase influencers became really sophisticated. To some extent, that kind of worked. When I wrote my first book back in 2016, I really envisioned that that book was going to become like a calling card for my business. Mm -hmm. I wasn't thoughtful and deliberate about how I wanted that book, A, to serve other people, and B, how that was going to propel my career. And, And what I found was I actually became a thought leader, not because of the book, but because of what I was sincerely and authentically sharing with other people. So quick story about that. So that book came out in 2016. And then in early 2017, we had two bellwether events in the branding world that happened within the same week. One of those was United Airlines pulled that poor emergency room doctor out of his airplane seat and, you know, knocked him unconscious and, and videos went out all over the internet, you know, to the tune of shared on Twitter, like 11,000 times in 10 minutes. We didn't hear anything from the leadership of United Airlines for a, a groundbreaking 48 hours. And when we did, what we got was a 140 character tweet that was written by a group of lawyers in passive voice that blamed the victim, right? 
Also that same week, Pepsi ran an ad featuring Kendall Jenner uh, sharing a Pepsi with uh, some riot cops at a whitewashed version of Black Lives Matter, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter rally and things like that and faced a lot of uh, adversity uh, and consumer backlash. And both of those things happened over the same week. During that week, I became the world's resident authority on brand disasters and botched corporate apologies, <laughs> right? I became the person that the media wanted to talk to about what's going on here. How do we make sense of this? What can other businesses learn from this? What do you think is going to happen? What are our big takeaways from this? How do brands need to change, right? And so suddenly I was given a platform to share with the world my expertise in this very sincere and authentic and straightforward way that was a whole lot more personal than, you know, writing a 250-page book and then hoping for the best. Um, what, what happened out of that was like this sort of area of expertise in this unique niche that I started to occupy started to open all kinds of new doors because all of a sudden people were looking to me to authentically help them in a, in a very sincere way. Um, but I also, part of the success of that was that I have a unique point of view. I have a, I have a way of telling stories that, that, uh, you know, is infused with humor and with with honesty, using lots of very, very relatable examples. But the main thing is I have this very, very set in stone, unique point of view, and I was ready to suffer the the uh, damage coming from the slings and arrows of people who didn't necessarily <laughs> agree with me. And so um, that sort of was, for me, this awakening about the difference between just like thought leadership, which is like, let's put content out there in the world and show the world that we're smart with the underlying reason that if we show them we're smart, they're going to buy from us versus being compelled to share something with other people because you really think they need this information because it's going to help them in a, in a certain way. It's very subtle, the difference between thought leadership and true authority, because thought leadership, it it almost comes with without that unique point of view. It comes without that sincerity, that authenticity, uh, the 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 stuff like my core DNA, every time I talk about branding, my core DNA as a human comes out. That is authority. And that is like people know what I'm passionate about. There is not a single conversation that goes by where I don't talk about irrational loyalty. And there's a lot of people out there who think that that's complete BS, right? But because I'm ready for that and and I'm ready to own that and I'm ready to like strip myself bare and show my beating heart and my gooey insides, that truly is authority versus thought leadership. So I felt like the world needed to learn like what what is the difference and how do you use your platform of your brand to create change versus mm -hmm. how do you use your smarts to share information, to attract people so that they'll buy stuff from you. They're two completely different things. They both often end up at the same result, which is people buying things from your brand, but you go about it in a completely different way. How much sense does that make? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I know, you know, three years ago, I started this podcast because I, I have a 
I have a vision, right? To build a world with better bosses. That's it. That's 100%. And so that's my mission. That's my purpose. That's why I write. That's why I have a podcast. That's why I share content. Uh, it's about this, 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 you know, I've saw, I've worked 22 years in corporate. I saw a lot of bad bosses, right? And yep. so if I can help people be less of a bad boss, right? So that the people working under them can have better work experiences, then I've done my job. And that's my mission. That's my focus. And right. it sounds like um, what you were saying is, is, is when you're out there authentically sharing your purpose and, and what you're trying to do to help the world, it's it's not about selling books. It's not about um, getting advertisements, advertisers on my podcast. It's about getting this word out there, this knowledge, this a place where people can go and get a lot of information to become a better leader. That's what this, this the purpose of this podcast is. I tell people I'm on a million brand mission. I literally am on a million brand mission and I'm counting the number of brands and I estimate, you know, when I started this mission was 2016, I'm about halfway there. I can't get there. I can't <laughs> impact a million brands if all I do is serve like 40 or 50 brands a year through my company. I can't get there alone. I mean, you know, I go out and do speaking engagements, there might be 500, 1,000 people in the audience, got to do a metric buttload of speaking engagements, get to a million people. I need my information to find the light of day in the places where people are looking for help and inspiration like you. And you know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to sell stuff. You know, the average business book over the course of its life sells like two thousand copies. If you have two business books, those two books together sell an average of like three thousand copies. That's the average, right? And so, I don't write books to sell books. I I am on a mission to transform businesses because better businesses create healthier economies right so you know we're it, it thought leadership is is really about let's show the world how smart we are let's not necessarily have an angle that we're really really trying to help people thought leadership often is isn't backed or propelled by a mission and a purpose in the same way that authority is we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors Leadership skills are like any other skills. You need to practice them to get better at them. Best-selling leadership author John S. Rennie knows this. That's why he's written a new book called You Have the Watch. It's a guided journal for leaders designed to take you through an entire year of leadership training. By the end of the year, you will master 50 of the most important leadership skills. If you want to have a greater impact on the results and people in your organization, go to youhavethewatch.com and pick up your copy today. This episode is brought to you by Jeremy Clevenger Fitness. As a high-performing leader, you know that leadership isn't about telling people what to do. It's about leading by example. And for most people, the one area that they're lacking when it comes to leading by example is their health and fitness. By improving your health and fitness, every other area of your life improves. But how do you get and stay fit as a busy leader? Well, you do what you've always done. You hire the best person for the job. Don't struggle on your own. Put Jeremy Clevenger on your team. Jeremy will work with you to take your physique, mindset, nutritional habits, and more to the next level with his step-by-step, all-inclusive coaching program. Now, I've worked with Jeremy for the past year, and I'm in the best shape of my life. If you want to step up your game, reach out to Jeremy at apexperformancesystems.com to find out more and get your initial consultation scheduled with him today. This episode is brought to you by the Sasquatch Flag Company. The Sasquatch Flag Company is a family-owned business in New England that builds hand-carved American flags from seasoned white pine. Each flag is 
hand-built, and each star on the flag is hand-hammered and chiseled. No two flags are alike. They offer a variety of flag designs to honor the police, military, firefighters, dispatchers, and search-and-rescue personnel, to name a few. These stunning handmade flags look great in an office, a studio, the back porch, or above the fireplace mantle. They make the perfect gift for the veteran, first responder, or patriot in your life. Now, I love these flags, and I've been giving them as gifts for years, and I was a customer long before they became a sponsor of the show. I can't recommend them enough. So if you're looking for that perfect, uniquely American-made gift to give away, or if you want to treat yourself, go to sasquatchflags.com and get your order in today. So I, w- I was thinking just, you know, my, my, you know, my story, I, sp- I spent 22 years as a senior manager at three global companies, right? And I was a nobody, right? As far as in- inside the company, I was big. I was a big fish in a small pond. But outside the world, at- when I left, I became an entrepreneur. I was a nobody. How, how should people, how should people who are leaders in maybe in big companies, which, what, what's their purpose in terms of, um, you know, how do they establish authority? How should they be communicating? How should they be representing their brands, uh, developing their own uh, personal brand outside the company? What what advice would you give to those people who might be in a, in a leadership position or a senior position in a big company where they're not necessarily part of the marketing crew or the, the brand crew or what should they be doing? So and that's a really interesting question. I back in the days when I actually had a job, the last job I had, I I worked I worked at a at a PR firm and one of my jobs was I did executive communication for the CEOs and the other C-level executives at these huge disruptive technology companies. You know, people who were considered in the technology industry to be like rock stars, right? And um, sometimes my job was about helping these executives develop or cultivate a platform so that they could have a message to the world that transcend that transcended like what the products and services were that these companies were were selling. And and in about half of the cases, the the executives were reluctant. Hmm. They didn't have anything that they really wanted to share. They didn't have anything that they were passionate about. And one of my jobs was to drum up something that they could be passionate about. And so if you can imagine, if you are like given an executive platform that's supposed to be transcendent, and it's not something that you are personally passionate about, it's not a a change that you want to see in the world or a problem that you want to create a solution for, that's where you get this like very hollow, empty kind of thought leadership. You have these, you know, reluctant people who are out there talking about things. And and I I can tell every day when I'm talking to somebody who's completely glazing over, right? Yeah. And and you know you you can tell when people's hearts are not in it. So what I would tell today's leaders inside of large businesses is don't do it unless you're ready. Mm. And how do you know you're ready? How you know you're ready is you have something inside of you that you have to get out, right? So you said that you are motivated by creating a world where we don't have we don't have bad bosses, right? Because it's it's better for everybody, right? You are compelled to do that. So the first thing is you have to be compelled to share something. 
Okay. You can, and it has to be sincere and authentic for you. It has to be something that's attached to your values and beliefs. And hopefully, as the leader of a large organization, your personal values and beliefs are aligned with the values and beliefs of the organization that you're working for, that you are uh, core values fit, that your mission, vision, values, purpose, that you are totally aligned. And so, you know, the first thing is be ready and be sincere and have something that you're compelled to share. The second thing is... Be ready for people to be critical. When you are strongly opinionated about something, or even if you're not strongly opinionated about something, or you're very forceful in in and and convicted in the change that you want to see in the world, you have to be ready for the idea that not everyone's going to agree with you in totality, or they're going to not agree with you know different approaches. I have this thing, it's called the ideal customer archetype, which is very divisive among marketing people. And I like, no, we believe this. We use this. We've used this a thousand times over with some of the biggest, best known brands in the world. Let me show you how it works. If you don't believe it, you call it BS. That's on you, but this is what we believe. So you have to be ready to be super, super convicted and 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 invite criticism. Um, so that's the biggest thing. I, I I do think that when it goes well, it's because there is a leader inside the organization who says, we have the platform of this very large company that employs lots of people, that supports lots of investors, that has lots of broad-based awareness among customers and followers and things like that. And we have a platform and we can use the platform of this brand to make the world a different place and, and make sure that the leader is attached to that. So one of the best examples that I've seen of this in corporate, uh, uh, Salesforce, for instance, Mark Benioff, right? This is a guy who not, not everybody loves him. You know, he he is uh, he is strongly opinionated, but he has sort of propelled himself into a space where what he talks about, what he writes about, you know, the the media quotes him on these days really has nothing to do with CRM software or cloud computing, right? It really is about the nature of the workforce and the nature of business, and so he's using his relevant experience and his passion for how the workforce is changing and how the world of work is changing to advance a cause. It's tied very, very closely to the business, of course, right? But it's something that he's passionate about and it's portable for him. He can take it into any realm of his career. So so I would say it's important, but not everyone is ready for it. And, and frankly, not everyone wants to do it. I saw it firsthand, these executives that I would take to media briefings and, you know, escort at um, big events for speaking engagements and stuff like that, who just absolutely hated it. So um, be, you know, make sure it's something that you truly are passionate about and be ready for it. Be prepared to be an authority if you really want it. Otherwise, it's just thought leadership. Yeah, I like it. Okay, good. That's good advice because you know I think I think that uh, the idea of portability, the idea that you are someone unique and you have unique views, and you might work for mul- multiple different companies over your career, right? And and I think that that's that's the thing I discovered. I worked for many years where I was a no name in the world, right? Yeah. And and then now, sort of, as I'm I'm older now, I've I've come out as like, oh yeah, here you know here's here's thirty years of experience, and here's what I've learned, and here's how you can be better leader. But it, it but it took but it took me sort of getting out of the out of the, the shadow of big companies to be able to do it. So people inside of big companies can do this too. Yeah. Like I, you know, I I know of quite a few people who are not even C level executives yeah. within 
organizations. And actually in the book Personality, I talk about a person, uh, a woman who is, uh, she's an evangelist at Salesforce now. She came from the, I believe that she came from the Gartner Group or IDC or one of those, you know, technology analysis firms. But she's somebody who has, she has portable authority, right? And and not just for like the senior, senior C-level leaders, but like up and coming emerging leaders within big and small companies, establishing a footprint of authority within your sphere of influence is something that makes you very, very attractive as an employee, right? Um, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a guy that I really, really wanted to hire. This was a person who I thought was like the guru in content marketing. And he had made a name for himself in the industry and in the category. And I was like, I need to hire that guy, right? And it makes you very attractive. And he has portable authority. So he spent a couple of years working for me, has now gone on and started his own consulting firm. He's producing content and stuff like that. I, as a leader who hired that guy and got the benefit of his authority while he worked for my company, I still benefit from that. And also, I have this incredible pride and great feelings about seeing his content out in the world and being like, yeah, that guy used to work for me. I love that. So so there's there's like establishing authority within your category, uh, even within your company, being known as the guru who, you know, who's passionate about this thing or being the evangelist for something within an organization is something that can propel you throughout your career. So it's not just for senior leaders and it's not, you know, and it's not just for, not just for the the C-level executives, but everybody can, you know, if they have something that they're passionate about, they can establish a footprint of authority. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about irrational loyalty. Like how do we, how do, how do companies use the personalities within their organization to uh, create, put a, put a human face on these organizations and to, to get irrational loyalty for, for their brands? Yeah, so um, I always explain that branding is ultimately a, a relationship and it's kind of like an interpersonal relationship. Are you married, John? Yes. Okay. All right. So, so if you're, if you're married or you have a relationship, like a close relationship like this, when you and your spouse behave on brand for your relationship, you make deposits into this emotional bank account that you share, right? And that emotional bank account, which it gets a deposit if, for instance, like, you know, in my case, it always was every time my husband would walk by uh, an overflowing wastebasket and not... (laughs) like empty it, I would be like, ah, we, you know, it would, it would go into the negative equity area. Irrational loyalty happens like as you build up all of this equity in this emotional bank account, that's the stuff that sustains you when one of you does a terrible job of loading the dishwasher, right? <laughs> it's the thing that prevents divorces when things like that happen. The more irrational loyalty that you have in your relationship, the more your relationship can sustain the most turbulent times, right? And so the same is true of brands. When you establish this relationship of irrational loyalty and, and you know, things happen. I mean, I'm, I, I'm thinking about like the, the disaster of, of holiday travel for Southwest Airlines, yeah. for instance. You know, that's a brand that has enjoyed 
a lot of irrational loyalty over the years, maybe a little too much at this point. So that when, you know, when all of this happened, there were a lot of customers who were defecting. And, you know, I'm hoping that it's causing Southwest Airlines to really, really look within and identify areas where they could have listened to their employees more closely. They could have been, you know, shoring up their operations like their competitors were doing over the years and things like that. But irrational loyalty is the thing that sustains you when you screw up uh, when things happen like the pandemic and maybe people can't use your brand um it it is it, it is the thing that allows you to charge more for your products and services it drives higher margins faster more rapid profitability more focus all of that kind of stuff so that brand relationship is really important well where does that brand relationship come from it comes from people right yeah. So look at Southwest Airlines. It's a, actually a really good example. So I, Southwest Airlines, the leadership of Southwest Airlines, Herb Kelleher, like like legendary guy, right? People are like, I want to be with Uncle Herb, right? The, the CEO, I can't even remember his name right now. And I did, I don't know, like 100 interviews about the Southwest Airlines disaster a couple of weeks ago. One of the things that that people pointed out was the fact that he did not communicate with empathy during a time where human beings were deeply affected by problems that this brand caused directly, right? Yeah. So this is like when you communicate with authority, you communicate by showing empathy, by showing regard for humanity. It's really hard to show regard for humanity when you are issuing press releases. It's difficult to show regard for humanity when you're United Airlines and you issue a 140-character tweet 48 hours after a big disaster happens, blaming the victim written in passive voice, right? And so... It is so important for it's so important for brands to really leverage the humanity inside of the people behind the brand so that we can get that values and beliefs alignment, right? It, it brands come across like automatons if all you have is content. If all you have is like, you know, one or two dimensional content, uh, you have information on the internet, you have advertisements, you have things like that, but you don't have humanity, it really, really decreases the level of emotional bonding that people have with brands. So we recently did a study and we looked at the most valuable global brands in the world and we divided them by category and we wanted to understand what drives irrational loyalty? What are the drivers of irrational loyalty? The number one thing that drives irrational loyalty, it's... It's not awareness, just people knowing about the brand. It's people using the brand. And when people use the brand, the brand makes itself indispensable. Indispensability comes from the human qualities and the emotional connections that people make with the brand. Who better to make emotional connections than other people? Interesting. And the other thing too, you know, I've always learned, you know, throughout my career is when you screw up, it's how you respond to that screw up is where that's a lot of that loyalty comes from is that how you how you react to a problem is it's your chance right you, you might have a decent relationship with your customers and then something goes wrong well this is the opportunity to show your character and show show what kind of company you are and when you disappear or you show up with a with a you know a professionally written tweet you know that's in the like you said in a passive voice and then you're not showing up authentically as a person trying like a a person that is is empathetic to the problem and and you're responding in a way that's uh that's 
that's real and authentic. And and that's when you lose it. But but you you could have you, Southwest could have had major victory through this thing and hundred percent loyalty if they had have they re- responded in a completely different way. I think that a lot of people would have forgiven a lot had they shown more humanity, more empathy. Uh, one of the examples that's in in the personality book that I point out at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, you know, the the travel and tourism industry was, you know, basically decimated, right? And uh, the, the CEO of Airbnb, Brian Chesky, I don't know if you remember this, he, he wrote this very heartfelt letter to employees, which I believe was strategically leaked uh, and ended up in the media. But like, I read that and I, I felt like I was in, in the room with him. It was, it was absolutely gut wrenching to read it, but it was so, um, it, 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 it had all of the all of the humanity, all of the feel like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I mean, it was not a happy time for the company. And and one of the reasons I was paying very close attention to this is like, you know, at the time I owned several vacation home rentals and I was like, oh my gosh, my whole vacation rental business is going to implode. But it really, um, I, it, I, my heart went out and it increased the loyalty that I felt towards this company because Brian Chesky showed me his insides. He he showed me the beating heart inside of him. And with, there, there are countless stories of this where people really, uh, the leaders of organizations, he didn't have to give a speech. He didn't have to make a personal phone call to me. It was a letter that was like, you know, featured in the Airbnb blogged, blog and then, you know, leaked to the media and whatever. And I was like, I know everything I need to know about this organization. And then, you know, he he used that empathy and that sincerity to basically make a statement to the world to say, you know, one of the trends that happened over the pandemic was a lot of people started using Airbnbs as a place to go and remote work. Right. And, and he became a very authentic proponent for looking at the world of work in a completely different way. So that that's what, you know, that's authority, right? He wouldn't have been able to do that had we not seen his gooey insights. We wouldn't listen to Brian Chesky talk about the nature of work is different than it's ever been. And, you know, as the leaders of organizations, we have to adopt the things that we've learned from the pandemic that people liked and incorporate that while still being productive and whatever. We wouldn't have found that believable. We we wouldn't have grokked with that content had we not seen that he truly he truly is sincere and authentic and human. So it really, really humanized the brand. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, there's so many things we can cover. Uh, we, we've talked about a lot so far. Let's uh, let's tell people how, the, how they can learn more about you. How can they find out about your company, about you, and all the books that you've written? Yeah, you can go to debgabor.com. Um, everything is there. Or if you're interested in in my company, it's Soul Marketing, Soul Like the Sun in Spanish, soulmarketing.com. But really the best way to get in touch with me is through debgabor.com. I'm on all the social media platforms except TikTok because I just still haven't figured out how to make that work for me. I'm a 54-year-old woman. So I'm kind of working through that. With I am 55 and I'm on TikTok, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I like, I watch videos like, 
like yeah. mostly dance videos and cat videos. Um, but I haven't figured out how to have an authentic presence on TikTok. So for right now, I stay off the platform. So that's a lesson, right? Pick your platform. Uh, but I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And, um, you know, truly, like you can submit a request through debgabor.com. And I love to hear from people, especially if they let me know where where they heard me or, or read about something um, just so that I can, you know, connect the dots. Okay. Well, fantastic. We're going to put links in the show notes for all those resources and the book is personality. And uh, again, this is a, if this is a subject that you, you that we've piqued your curiosity, I, I highly encourage you to go out, get this book and to reach out to Deb, because I think you're going to learn a lot. Uh, Deb, I really appreciate you coming out and uh, yeah, sharing all this information. And I think you're going to help us be uh, more th- more authentic with our communications just because we had a chance to meet you and hear hear this story. Well, I sure hope so. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks again. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share so we can continue to build a world with better bosses. Until next time, this is John Rennie saying take care and lead well. Thank you for listening to Deep Leadership. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all you do. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information and updates, please visit our website at www.deepleadershippodcast.com or johnsrenny.com. Until next time, take care. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Today is working for me. Do you believe that for yourself? Hey, I'm Pastor Julie, and I want to empower you through encouragement, inviting you to my podcast, Big Truth Encouragement, where I unpack living a faith-filled life. I created my podcast for the ladies, but gentlemen, you'll gain something too. So I invite you to listen to Big Truth Encouragement on ElectroCast and any platform where you listen to your podcast. ElectroCast.